so welcome everyone uh, this is our second edition of the journal club uh, one of the activities of nsa webinar which we have started alternate month and uh, as we have planned uh, one article from neurology india is going to be discussed first and uh, another from another journal so uh, dr uh, uh, dr sharad chandra who's the editor and he has chosen this topic which is a very very interesting topic uh, on moya moya disease uh, which has been written by one of our uh, uh, major departments in the uh, country uh, is going to be presented and dr tejesh savi is going to present it but before all that i think i would leave it to dr sharad chandra to introduce the presenter and the subject thank you dr kishore pujari so today i will be uh, we will be discussing uh, the following article which is outcome following surgical revascularization in patients of moya moya disease with focus on graft patency and angiographic changes and it's been written uh, by the department of neurosurgery from pgi chandigarh and with us we have professor sk gupta who is the main author for this uh, article now as is the standard for the journal club what we plan to do is first we will have a presenter from some other institute so over here we have dr tejesh uh, and also dr paritosh who would be panelists who would present a critical view of the article and following this uh, we will ask uh, professor sk gupta to defend the paper so the idea is to have both the perspectives and then we will be open for the audience discussion so currently i will now request dr tejas to start the presentation evening sir i hope i'm audible so is my screen visible sir uh, yes it's visible Long ago, I did my presentation. Good evening to all the delegates and our colleagues present here. I would like to first of all thank the Neurological Society of India and uh, Dr. Shankar Chandra for uh, giving me this opportunity to bring forth uh, a general presentation. Uh, so, introducing myself, I'm Dr. Tejesh Shavi, a DRMB neurosurgery resident from Manipal Hospital, Bangalore, and I'm here to present an article titled "The Outcome Following Surgical Revascularization in Patients of Moya Moya Disease with Focus on Graft Patency and Angiographic Changes." So this article, the main authors were uh, Dr. Sunil K. Gupta and Dr. Ashish Narayan from the Department of Neurosurgery, uh, Postgraduate Institute of Medical Education, Research, Chandigarh. This article was published in the Neurology India Journal in the May June of 2021 edition. Now, after the presentation, I would like to construct my presentation under the following headings, which are uh, the background, the study methodology, the results, the discussion. Uh, then I would like to get into the critical analysis of the article and then uh, present the conclusions. Uh, so to introduce the myeloid disease is defined as progressive stenosis or occlusion of the intracranial supraclavicular carotid arteries and or the proximal segments of the anterior and medial septal arteries so this is accompanied by the development of an abnormal vascular network known as myeloma to compensate for an insufficient cerebral perfusion so this insufficient blood flow leads to clinical events uh, secondary to ischemia in the pediatric age group and in adults uh, the more common presentation being hemorrhage 
talking about the, the, the demographics, uh, incidents in uh, Japan is higher, 0.35 per 1 lakh per year than in the North America. And uh, there are two peaks uh, with respect to age groups noted, uh, two forms being the juvenile and the adult form. So in the juvenile uh, form, the age group is most commonly seen in younger than 10 years, with a mean of about 3 years of age. And the adults are usually present in the third and the fourth decade. Uh, with respect to gender predominance, uh, this is more commonly seen slightly higher in females with a 1.8 to 1 ratio. Uh, familial tendency is seen with an incidence as high as 7%. And uh, genetics appears autosomal dominant with low pantheons associated with some naturally antigens, B14 in the juvenile form and B54 in the adult form and anti-double stranded DNA antigen. So talking about the presentation, the disease as stated earlier, is most commonly seen in two forms, the juvenile and adult forms. So, with respect to the juvenile form, myomonal disease is associated with 6% of childhood strokes. Ischemia is the most common presentation seen in 81% of myomonal disease patients, uh, equally comprising of transient ischemic attacks and reversible uh, ischemic neurological uh, deficits uh, or uh, chronic progressive injuries. So, these clinical uh, events are usually provoked by straining or uh, by hyperventilation, such as crying uh, or blowing around our main instrument, uh, which is thought to pro produce uh, hypercapnia with reactive vasoconstriction. The risk of hemorrhage is uh, higher in stages 5 and 6 of myomonal disease. And in the adult form, most of the adults, say about 60% present with uh, hemorrhage, is the most common presentation. Uh, this is again secondary to rupture of the fragile myomonal vessels. Most commonly located in the basal ganglia, thalamus, or the ventricles. So, talking about the natural history, the incidence of the disease progression in one study was uh, 20% in adult patients with myomaya disease. Female patients had a higher risk of disease progression than males, and the prognosis of untreated myomaya disease is poor, uh, with 73% uh, rate of major deficit or death within two years of diagnosis in children, and similarly poor outlook in adults. So, with respect to the diagnosis, uh, the diagnosis of myomonal disease requires bilateral symmetrical uh, stenosis or occlusion of the terminal portion of the ICS as well as the presence of dilated collateral vessels at the base of the brain. Uh, other characteristic findings include stenosis or occlusion at the terminal ICA and at the origins of the AC and MCA, uh, interparenchymal anastomosis in the, uh, in the region of basal ganglia, also the development of transdural anastomosis with readers from Mineral artery, the ethmoidal arteries, occipital, the pentorial, and the superficial temporal arteries. So, the various uh, diagnostic, uh, diagnostic radiological uh, modalities uh, include the CT, MRI, and MRI angiography, the cerebral blood flow studies, the cerebral angiography. So, talking about the CT, since ischemia is the most common presentation of myomia disease, uh, low density areas are most common findings in CT, and these are most commonly noted in the subcortical and uh, cortical and subcortical areas. Uh, MR angiography usually discloses the stenosis or occlusion of the ICA and the myoma vessels appear as a flow voids on MRI with a fine network of vessels which are most commonly seen on MR angiography. So, the parenchymal screen changes are again commonly seen in the watershed areas. So, talking with respect to the cerebral blood flow studies, cerebral blood flow is uh, decreased in myoma disease since there is impaired autoregulation of the cerebral blood flow to blood pressure and CO2 levels. So, Xenon CT is uh, one of the most, co most common uh, CTF modalities that can be done to identify areas of uh, low perfusion. Also, an astrosomite uh, challenge uh, evaluates the reserve capacity of the cerebral blood flow. 
and can also predict areas of steel which are at high risk of future infection. Next, coming on to uh, the distress subtraction angiography, also known as cerebral angiography, which in addition uh, to helping establish the diagnosis, it also provides uh, an uh, identification of the suitable vessels for revascularized procedures and also alerts uh, any other vascular malformations like associated uh, aneurysms. So this is a table which I put below, uh, which is uh, which was proposed by Suzuki et al. in his uh, study in 1969. And this uh, table was based on the angio architecture of myomonal disease, uh, which is uh, which provides a staging of uh, the progression of the disease. So stage one to stage six, stage one being the lowest stage and stage six being the highest form of myomonal disease. So stage one uh, shows a stenosis of supracellular ICA, usually bilateral. Stage two shows a uh, stage two. Uh, shows the development of myomyal vessels at the base of the brain, the ACA, MCA, and the PCA being dilated. Stage 3 shows increasing ICA stenosis and prominence of the myomyal vessels. And most of the cases of myomyal disease are diagnosed at this particular stage. Also, maximal basal myomyal vessels are most commonly noted as stage 3. Stage 4 develops the entire circular venous and PCAs are occluded. Extracranial collaterals start to appear at this stage and myomyal disease vessels begin to diminish. Stage 5 shows a further progression of stage 4 and stage uh, 6 is defined where complete absence of myomyal vessels is noted and major cerebral arteries are also noted. So, multiple, uh, with respect to treatment, multiple large uh, case series have supported the efficacy of cerebral revascularization for uh, reducing the incidence of ischemic strokes and transient ischemic attacks. No medical or surgical treatment has been proven. Uh, in reducing the rate of uh, hemorrhage uh, in the adults with myeloma disease. So, with respect to surgical revascularization, they are broadly categorized into three different uh, procedures uh, that is, the direct revascularization procedures, the indirect revascularization procedures, and certain add on procedures to these. So, the direct revascularization procedures is commonly uh, preferred for uh, surgical modality if a donor and recipient vessel of sufficient caliber that is greater than 1 mm thickness. Uh, of the outer diameter can be identified and the STMCA bypass is the most common procedure of choice. The surgical revascularization uh, including the second modality which is the indirect revascularization procedure includes uh, EMS which is the interfere myosinangiosis which is basically laying the temporalis muscle on the surface of the brain. The EDAS which is intercapular duro arteriosinangiosis which is associating the STM with the derial cuff to a linear defect created in the dura. And the third one being the omitted transposition, which is either done as a pedicle graft or, or as a vascularized free flap. And it is found to have a higher potential to revascularize ischemic tissue than the above two procedures, but there is a greater risk of mass effect in the thickness of the omit. And since the above described indirect revascularization procedures include blood flow only in the MCA distribution, uh, with respect, uh, talking about the ACA distribution, uh, these can be supplemented by the multiple placement of multiple control bubbles and also the rhythm EDAs wherein a pedicle of, of gaia is, uh, is, uh, uh, is transfixed into the inter-industrial fusion of the cells. So, with revascularization strategies aim at improving the cellular blood flow and leads to faster regression of moyamandesis. And hence, the study was taken up with an objective to analyze the post-operative angio architecture in a pediatric adult, a pediatric and adult patients of myeloma disease. So, talking about the study methodology, 
This study was done in a tertiary care uh, teaching hospital and included all disease patients who underwent surgery from all age groups and both the genders. So the pre and the post-op evaluation parameters were broadly classified under three different headings that are the clinical, the neuropsychological and the radiological parameters. The clinical uh, evaluation was done under the following which is the symptomatology and the disability. Symptomatology was uh, described as paralysis, seizures, etc., et which has been described in the following uh, table. And the disability was ranked as per the modified ranking score. A neuropsychological assessment was done in the age group of less than 5 years using the Weinman social maturity scale and in greater than 5 years using the Manage intelligence scale. And talking about the radiological aspects, the time chemical changes uh, were studied using the uh, MRI uh, uh, and or the DSA. So, in case where uh, an MRI was inconclusive for uh, diagnosing pneumonia, a DSA was done in that particular case. So, the parenchymal changes were uh, categorized as being uh, showing ischemic uh, changes or hemorrhagic changes or uh, gliotic changes or encephalomalacia. And uh, the degree of stenosis was the second parameter which was analyzed. Uh, so again, uh, this was uh, the degree of stenosis was analyzed for this major vessel which was the IC, AC and MCA. And a scoring was given for uh, these three, which was 1, 2 and 3. 1 being normal with no stenosis, 2 being stenosis, uh, obvious stenosis shown and 3 being occlusion shown. Uh, the degree of uh, Moyamaya vessels or the extent of the Moyamaya vessels shown on the, still on the MRI was uh, again graded as per score 1, 2 and 3. Score 1 being minimal, score 2 being moderate and score 3 being an extensive uh, network of uh, Moyamaya vessels. And lastly, a surgical stage was also uh, determined for instance in this particular study. So, in this particular study, uh, all the patients were divided into two surgical groups, which were uh, the combined group and the indirect uh, revascularization group. The combined group in, uh, included uh, patients who underwent a direct bypass procedure and which was supplemented by an indirect revascularization surgery, which was the most common being EDAMS, and the second group being wherein only an indirect devascularization uh, procedure could be uh, done. So, the surgical steps broadly, uh, uh, in a brief manner, I will be explaining the surgical steps which were uh, done. Wherein the superficial temporal artery was palpated, marked and harvested, uh, the temporalis muscle and the fascia was incised in a cruciate manner, a frontal temporal keratomy was done, the dura was opened in a cruciate manner and a particular branch of the MC on the brain surface was identified. Uh, with uh, sufficient uh, diameter for, for anastomosis and this particular vessel, uh, at least one centimeter of the vessel was free from the surrounding parenchyma and in this particular free segment of the vessel, there were two temporary clips uh, that should be attached and an end to side ST anastomosis uh, was done using a 10-0 non-observable NIMA intraocular sutures. So, this particular uh, direct revascularization was also supplemented by EDMS and in cases where, where direct anastomosis was not feasible, the harvested SPA along with the fascia was placed on the particle surface after opening of the airplant in addition to the EDMS. So, post-operative assessment, uh, this was done 3 months after surgery and was done under the uh, two, these two headings which are the clinical and the radiological assessments. Another, uh, to analyze the uh, angio architecture, the vascular changes on MR angio, the three broad parameters which uh, were studied were the status of the graft uh, patency of the myomyo vessels as compared to those in the preoperative period and the extent of surgical transduity uh, collaterals at the synapsis site. 
So this extent of uh, surgical transverse lateral uh, was studied using the Matsushima um, enamel grading. Uh, so this was uh, this uh, grading was originally based on the DSA findings in the particular study, but this uh, grading was uh, extrapolated uh, in this particular study and was uh, termed as adapted Matsushima enamel grading. So this grading is broadly uh, classified as shown in the table below, on grade A, B, and C. So grade A being the area produced by the synangiosis is greater than two third of the MC territory. Grade B, wherein the area is between one third and two third of the MC territory, and grade C, wherein the area is less than one third of the uh, MC territory. So all the data in this particular study was analyzed using the SPSS sequences software. And the median, median, uh, mean, median, and the percentages were used for all the parameters in the study. The Moyamoya vessel collaterals were studied using the chi-square test and the Pearson chi-square test wherever applicable, and the confidence interval was of 95 percent was But two studies significance was considered uh, if the p-value was less than 0. Now I'm coming on to the uh, results in this particular study. A total of 82 patients were included in the study, and uh, 49 patients underwent bilateral procedures. 33 patients underwent unilateral procedures, and hence a total of uh, 131 uh, separate hemispheres were altogether analyzed in this particular study. With respect to age, uh, this study included uh, patients ranging from 1 to, 1 to 52 years, with a mean of 14 years and a median of 11 years. 64 out of 82 patients, that was around 78%, were less than 18 years, and the remaining were adults. And uh, 21 out of the 82, that was about 26% of the patients, were less than 5 years. So, uh, included in the combined surgical group, uh, the age group uh, ranged from 3 to 52 years with a mean of 14.3 years. And, the, and, and the patients included in only the, wherein only the indirect uh, surgery was done, uh, one to, uh, the age group ranged from 1 to 47 years with a mean of 11 years. Uh, males and females were uh, nearly equal in proportion, 54 and 45% in this particular study. I'm talking about the uh, clinical features on presentation. Ischemia was the most common feature which was noted among the patients in this particular study. Wherein most of the, most of the patients presented with paralysis, that is about 82%, followed by seizures, transient ischemic attacks, and ataxia. Uh, all of the patients who had headache, as you can see here on the left hand side, in the box shown here, all the patients, that is nine patients who presented with headache were adults. Out of which seven patients had hemorrhage as the as the male on the MRI presentation. And, there are, and among those seven patients, two patients had presented features of HIC. So with respect to disability on an MRS scale, most of the patients came with MRS of three or four, that was about 85%. Nine patients came with MRS2, and three patients presented with MRS1. Talking about the MRI findings, 67 patients, most of them presented with infarcts. As I stated earlier, seven patients presented with hemorrhage and eight present, uh, patients presented with atrophy or endocrinization. Now, with respect to the degree of uh, stenosis of the ICS, um, so eight uh, sites or the eight hemispheres uh, showed mild stenosis, 39 hemispheres showed severe stenosis, and total occlusion was found in 84 hemispheres. With respect to the extent of Moyamaya vessels, there was mild uh, Moyamaya vessels that were seen in 17. Hemispheres, moderate was seen in 45 hemispheres, and extensive collateral was noted in 69 hemispheres, majority of them being showing extensive collaterals. Suzuki so, staging, most of the patients, that is 46%, 47% of the patients uh, presented with stage 5 Suzuki grading, 
31 patients present, 31 hemispheres present in the stage 3 and 29 hemispheres present in stage 4. So, with respect to the surgical procedures uh, which these patients uh, underwent, both sides, 49 patients uh, underwent surgeries on both the sides. As I stated earlier, one side was done in 33 patients and a total of uh, 131 hemispheres were included. Out of this 131 hemispheres, 100 hemispheres uh, underwent direct procedures, wherein 19 hemispheres uh, had STMC bypass and one hemisphere was done using MCMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMMM
who had uh, bilateral ICS muscle with extensive myeloma muscles, uh, left being more than the right. And the post-op MRNG of the same patient after the left-sided surgery showing a patent bypass uh, with type B synergiotic versus integration of the myeloma muscles. And on the bottom of, uh, half of the MRI, you see another patient, uh, a four-year-old male, uh, pre of MR angio, uh, showing bilateral MR, uh, bilateral myeloma disease. And the post-op uh, uh, MR angio after the left side surgery, showing patent bypass and type B surgical synergiotic versus with regression of the myeloma disease. On the right side, we can see the, uh, another uh, MR angio of a patient who underwent indirect anastomosis. Uh, this uh, patient underwent, uh, on, as, as you can see on the left hand side, you can see that the patient had a right sided myeloma disease and this patient underwent uh, EDMS on the right side and shows post operative type C surgical synangiotics. So, with respect to the MR angio and the MRI pre operative and post operative parameters which were analyzed in this particular study, there were three main parameters which were included, which is studying the patency of the SPMCA. Uh, anastomosis or the bypass graft and the degree of the regression of the myocolaterals uh, at the extent of, uh, at, at the base of the brain and the extent of the vascular near angiogenesis in the operative hemisphere. So, out of the 100 patients, 100 hemispheres which underwent uh, direct bypass procedures, patency was uh, noted as, uh, as, as uh, seen below in this particular table, wherein 97% uh, 97 Hemisphere uh, uh, underwent had shown patent STMC bypass on post of MRI. So, in this again, uh, most common, uh, the most common 100% of the patients in the age group of 6 to 18 years had shown complete patency of the bypass graft, and 90% uh, in the less than 5 year age group showed patency, and in, eight, in greater than 18 years, 96.29%. So, talking about the extent of the monomonal collaterals with respect to the surgical group, we can see that the pa patients who underwent combined uh, revascularization, uh, re that is uh, 97 hemispheres, we can see that the pre op there is uh, comparatively less, uh, uh, there is uh, in worse, uh, I mean, grace is the worst, uh, the highest extent of uh, monomonal collaterals. So, one presentation they had grade C. Whereas uh, post-operatively, uh, we noted that most of the patients had grade A and B, and this was considered significant. That is, uh, there was regression to post-surgery. Again, in indirect revascularization, that is 34 hemispheres, which we found that most of the patients presented with uh, grade B and C uh, uh, collaterals, and then uh, they were found to regress to grade A and B post-operatively. This was also considered significant. Talking about the vascular neoangiogenesis, so with respect to the surgical group as a comparison, so combined revascularization procedures type A, B, and C are broadly classified. So postoperatively, most of the patients uh, had improved to type A, meaning having good uh, transdural collaterals, and even in the indirect group, also most of the patients presented with uh, type A and B transdural collaterals. So, these were individually significant as compared to pre-op and post-operative evaluation. But, as a comparison between combined and indirect revascularization with respect to all these three parameters, there was no significant note. Just with the PR. Uh, so, I'd like to get into the discussion uh, of myomyo disease and uh, some review of literature. 
The management of malignant disease is directed towards reducing the incidence of uh, repeated strokes uh, due to ischemia and also re-bleeding in patients with uh, presenting a hemorrhage. So there was no evidence that uh, drug therapy was able to delay or reverse the progression of malignant disease. And as per a study, but as per a registry study of research committee in Japan, antiplatelets did not influence the rate of cerebral infarction in patients with malignant disease. So there was another study uh, that was uh, proposed by the and uh, this uh, was uh, combined, uh, compiled as a Japanese stroke guidelines, which showed that revascularization uh, surgery should be performed for patients with ischemic myomyoma disease, and with respect to hemorrhage uh, for patients who present with hemorrhagic myomyoma, uh, a multi-centered uh, prospective randomized controlled trial done in Japan showed a direct bypass could prevent re-bleeding in these patients. So, uh, comparing both ischemic and hemorrhagic myomyoma disease group, uh, the current accepted uh, view is that either ischemic or hemorrhagic myomyoma disease should receive surgical treatment. Uh, so, two important trials comparing the efficacy of combined versus uh, indirect surgery group alone uh, as uh, stated as follows. So, the first one being uh, Zhao et al. wherein uh, he showed that uh, their particular study showed that direct procedures provide immediate augmentation of cerebral perfusion, whereas indirect procedures lead to gradual sustained devascularization in the long term with a complementary association between the direct and indirect devascularization procedures. Another RCT uh, showed that uh, this RCT was done uh, by Zaventa et al. Uh, on European patients, and uh, they showed that uh, only combined revascularization improves cerebrovascular reserve capacity. So, as per this particular study, clinical improvement was noted in more than 85% of the patients. However, age, type of presentation, that is the ischemia versus hemorrhage group, or the type of surgery, did not have any significant impact on the clinical outcome. So, clinical outcome following surgery uh, for myomyoma disease is a function of the angio-architectural changes. And a reduction in ischemic changes is dependent on the degree of augmentation of the cerebral circulation. Uh, by these two evascularization procedures. Equally important is the regression of the myoma vessels as these are more prone to bleed because of the weak vessel wall and associated microangiosis. Also, the graft patency rate was found to be 97% in this particular study and was in sync with one of the, uh, the famous studies of uh, studying graft patency which was done by Xo et al. And uh, they showed that uh, graft patency was noted as in 96% of the patients in the immediate follow-up group 94% in this at 6 months follow-up group and 76% at 5 year follow-up. Regression of myoma vessels was seen in 50% of the patients in this particular study. And uh, as per uh, Jang et al, uh, in their study of 105 uh, adult patients, a 51.2% regression uh, rate was uh, noted in patients who underwent combined surgery only. And we are talking about the vascular neuroangiogenesis, a good grade that is grade A and B was noted in eight, uh, at an average of about 85.3% in both the surgical groups and poor that is grade C was noted in 14%. And as per a study that, is, that was done by Zhang et al, which included 100 pediatric patients, excellent, good and fair neovascularization was noted in 57, 22 and 18% hemispheres respectively. Whereas 2.6% of the uh, hemispheres was uh, showed no devascularization at all. So, areas at all in the respect, uh, in the retrospective review of adult myomyoma disease patients found that the direct bypass group, that is alone or combined uh, bypass uh, procedures, had uh, shown 
good angiographic outcome that was seen in 90% of the patients versus 30% uh, of the patient in the indirect uh, uh, group which was good clinical or good angiographic outcome. So as per another study by Sudarshava et al, they showed that a combined revascularization had better clinical status versus only indirect revascularization group. And good development of collaterals in this particular study was noted that is great A and B in more than 80% of the investors in both the procedures that is combined revascularization and only indirect. Although the pro proportion of the patients with greater collaterals was more in the combined surgery group, it was still not statistically significant. So now I would like to get into the uh, critical analysis of this particular study. Uh, first being that uh, this particular study had a short term follow-up for about 3 months. Second thing, uh, diagnostic central uh, angiography would have been a better option uh, as compared to follow-up based on MRI and MRI angiography. Uh, second thing, uh, th the third thing being that uh, as we noted a combined versus indirect procedure group comparison was done but however an objective comparison was inconclusive since none of the parameters was proven to be uh, significant uh, with respect to this comparison. And uh, there are two major confounding factors in this particular study was the age of presentation. Most of the patients were uh, in the pediatric age group, less than 18 years. And uh, most of the patients presented with ischia as compared to hemorrhage. And, uh, and hence there were uh, better findings as well. And this was in sync with previous literature as well. So presenting my conclusion points, as per this particular study, investigation procedures led to a regression of uh, monomer collaterals the appearance of surgical neoangiogenesis and a graft patency, patency rate of 97%. Majority of the patients showed clinical improvement. Uh, combined revascularization uh, uh, group had better collateral development. Uh, combined surgery group also showed benefit of immediate as well as sustained augmentation of cerebral blood flow and should be the procedure of choice in all patients of monomalysis. Technically, direct endoscopy was possible given small caliber vessels and could be achieved in more than 50% cases in children less than 5 years of age. So, the basic take home message uh, from this uh, particular study was that uh, the STM cell bypass with EDAMS should be the procedure of choice in patients with uh, myomyal disease as compared to only performing indirect bypass procedure. Thank you. So thank you, Dr. Tejesh. That has been quite well and lucidly presented. And as you can see, this was a very important study and a large study from a very big center. And uh, Dr. Tejesh definitely has has raised some critics. Uh, I think the biggest issue is the follow-up, which is a big issue for most of the studies in India. But we have with us uh, Professor S. K. Gupta none other than Professor S.K. Gupta, the head of uh, Department of Neurosurgery from P.E.A. Chattagar and he is the chief author for this paper. So I will ask him uh, to put in a few words. So perhaps he can start with a brief introduction and an overview of his study on how they did this study, what was the reasons that they had done this study and uh, how would he like to address the critics raised by uh, Dr. Tejesh. Yeah, thank you, Sarata. And uh, I think Tejesh has presented everything quite nicely. I mean, he's good, good job done by Tejesh. Thanks. Uh, regarding uh, this study, you know, this is a, a 
this has been the basically observational study done over a period of more than 10 years probably 12 to 15 years overall the follow up uh, is variable so the clinical follow up has ranged from minimum of 1 year to almost 10 years now if we talk about the overall follow up the clinical follow up we have taken at least 1 year of minimum follow up clinical but mr angio which we have done in the post op period uh, because of other many constraints we have not a long term follow up i mean we don't have a serial follow up of mr angiography because of many constraints uh, so it's costly and you cannot keep on doing mr angiography and you have to justify also so that that i accept that it ideally we should have mr angiography or any other angiography done at serial 3 months 6 months 1 year in few patients we have done more but overall at least one mr angio has been done at least 3 months later some may be few patients may have more so this part i think we may have to address later on that patients who have done mr angio once at 3 months we will have to do later on also this is under this is under the process but at present i can agree with that that unless we have a long term serial follow up of the angiography we cannot come to a real conclusion as some of the studies have done at 3 months 6 months 1 year or this i accept and this has been a uh, uh, data has been collected over a period of many years and initially we used to do dsa but for the last 10 years probably dsa has been done very infrequently mr angiography is now accepted all over the world as an acceptable it is acceptable for diagnosis second part of the critic can you go to the critical critic site which yes. shows the critic so i can so this was the first part i agree with that Yeah, DSA angiography. We stopped doing DSA angiography in follow-up. It's invasive, and uh, since most of the patients are children, and even if you go to the literature worldwide, it's not really required unless you have specific issues. MR angiography is good enough to have a uh, to know what we want to see. So why subject some to invasive? So we are not doing invasive and DSA at least in follow-up. Uh, objectively, if you go by statistically. there is no significance found in our studies statistically between the two procedures as far as clinical outcome and radiological outcome is concerned but we have started we started doing scmca bypass a long time back and we have continued to do that because we don't want to change the thing because if you go to the literature overall literature is uh, divided some people say a direct is better some say indirect is better but there is no hard evidence that one procedure is really better but most of the people who have been doing this procedure or this disease they are managing they have come to conclusion that a direct plus indirect gives overall a better and theoretically or sounds theoretically also it sounds more logical so that's why we are doing we cannot we don't want to change what we have been doing we have been continuing with this procedure for the last maybe more than 10 years now this Uh, i couldn't understand what is age representation what did you want to say it is what is confounding about age uh, sir uh, i just wanted to state that most of the patients included in the study were uh, younger than 18 years and uh, as per literature that in age group uh, usually tend to have a better outcome as compared to adults uh, and also with respect to ischemia and hemorrhage most of the patients almost uh, more than 85% of the patients presented with ischemia and again they tend to 
So this is all. As per the review of literature, they tend to have better uh, outcome uh, when the patient's present with ischemia as compared to hemorrhage. And then the risk of bleeding is quite high in, in spite of... Yeah, the, I think, but we have included both just because it was, uh, we had this, we did not want to exclude and uh, most of the patients were ischemic. If you go to the literature, there are many studies which showing that even hemorrhagic patients, uh, it is recommended by Japanese also that they should undergo this study. Yes. So yeah, the clinical uh, profile may have been a little varied, but we included all the patients which were operated surgically. In short, this is uh, what uh, I would like to say. If anybody, is, if the Paritosh is here, he has a lot of experience on this. Anybody has well comments? So Paritosh is our panelist. So Dr. Paritosh, you want to uh, add some points here? Yeah. So I think it's a, uh, the main strength of this paper is there are very large numbers and excellent results. I was, I was very, very gratified to see that there, almost, there are almost no post-operative strokes and very, very high patency rates, which is much better than what I have done and I've had a few uh, bad strokes and everything. The other very important thing which have, which they have shown, which many papers have not shown, is the regression of moya-moya vessels, which uh, gives us fillip to the fact that we should be doing it in the hemorrhagic group as well. Uh, what I thought was missing, and uh, PGI has that data, and probably they will pick up in the next paper, I think, is that they already have neuropsychological and cognitive data which is there in the methodology, materials and methods, and which is missing from the results and observations. So if, uh, and this is coming up new and new in both in uh, patients with carotid stenosis and patients with Moema disease, that even if patients have not, not have had uh, strokes, still their cognitive functions significantly improve when the blood flow improves. And this is, uh, this if they could show that whether it does or doesn't, now, then it will be a great addition to the data. Uh, regarding the pre-op DSA and post-operative DSA, it's as Sir said that it is uh, acceptable uh, to do an MR angiogram. Still, I, uh, at least in my practice, we end up doing a lot of DSA, both preoperative and postoperatively, simply because preoperatively it shows me uh, how much uh, revascularization is already there. So you will see a lot of patients who have significant revascularization through uh, middle meningeal artery, and uh, you are much more careful in those patients to preserve that middle meningeal artery than usual. Uh, and in the post-operative, of course, we have uh, we are now doing a study where uh, patients have selective angiography of the superficial temporal artery and the internal maxillary artery to see how much in the long term the uh, there are uh, the uh, the hemisphere has contribution from direct and indirect. And there is one paper like that, so hopefully we'll be able to do something else. They also have some uh, terrible blood flow data, uh, and probably it will come up in the next paper because there is a large number and this is. However, the relevance of it in the patients who have stroke is, I, I don't know whether how much relevance it is, but of course in the, the other hemisphere it is relevant whether to operate or not. So I thought it was a fantastic paper, and they have some of the data which is unused, which is already kept in the bank, and probably they will use it much later in the next test. I think thanks, Paritosh. You, we have that data, and somebody is already working on it. Yeah. So, because initially we started with having everything together, but it became uh, it was becoming too unmanageable in one paper. And you lose the focus. Yes. So that's uh, that's psychological. We have a dedicated neuropsychologist with us, Dr. Manju 
And before I do further, I would like to say that uh, Manju Manti, she is a neuropsychologist. She is contributing a lot to us. Ashish Agarwal, who is doing most of the surgeries now, I have been caught up more with administrative methods. So these two people are the backbone of the, what is going on at present. And uh, part of it has been taken by uh, some of the thesis work and some projects been carried out by different people. Raja Shekhar Narayan was a resident who was there at that time. And uh, so we are working on that data. Regarding this, uh, I think you raise an important point. Uh, sometimes uh, you, when you see good uh, transverse collaterals, you, you think why should you operate if the, whether the surgery is going to harm also. You already collaterals, you operate upon that area, whether you are destroying those collaterals in the, and create, trying to create another new ones. So what we do is we are doing a, in all these patients, which we are not covered in this paper, spect also. Uh, if they, we have a doubt, uh, some patient may be asymptomatic for a long time. So we do spect in all the patients, which can show us what is the hyperperfusion. And we are doing pre-op spect also and post spect also. We have shown in, um, uh, in one of the, we have not published it probably yet, yet that uh, spec can give us an idea whether patients who are really asymptomatic who come to the doctor, whether they are really going to benefit by surgery. If they show hyperperfusion, we go ahead with the surgery on the both the sides, even if there is no symptom at the present. So spec is an important tool in the armamentarium of diagnosing the management of my patients. And the rest of the, I think what Paiko just said, I agree with most of the statements he has made. Thank you for the comments, sir. Now, there are a couple of questions and I'll put across to both of you. So, some of them are from the audience, some of them are from me. So, the first question is obviously that you had such an excellent outcome. And we also noted that in about 34 cases, you have done only 8 arms. So, uh, obviously, your selection criteria must have been very rigid. So, what are the conditions where, uh, this is more for the sake of knowledge of the audience, where you have chosen only to do EDAMS and not yeah, a direct... Yeah, it's a good question. I think if you go through the paper, I think pages probably missed that point. We did not do any preoperative selection of the surgical procedure. We plan to do STMs in all and EDMS in all. Those uh, we, we mentioned in the paper also. So those 33 hemispheres were there. We technically, interoperatively, we found because of the reasons it was not possible. So we have no uh, selection criteria which surgery. In all patients, we are planning for STMC and EDMS. Yes. But what was the reason that you have done only EDMS in some cases, sir? Yeah, because they were so, uh, our half of them were children. Uh, the the limiting factor was mainly. Uh, in children, the MCA was, in, in few children it was MCA, but most of the children it was STA. MCA, in, even in small children, we found good cortical size vessels, but sometimes the STA went into spasm or uh, something. It was a technical uh, problem or surgical, uh, I would say, we were not able to do it. It's as simple as that. Because of the poor size of the vessels or some mismatch or something like that. We could not harvest it. It was a technical problem. It was not that it was it was intended EDMS. Inten intention was right. always to do combined. So Paritosh, what is your experience? What are the conditions where you would do only EDAMS and not a direct revascularization? I plan to do combined revascularization as Dr. S. K. in all the patients. But my experience with SGA is quite good. My experience with MCA is not as good. <laughs> 
all the times, most of the times when I've uh, abandoned to do STMCA bypasses, because in my craniotomy, the recipient vessel is very, very small. And the most important predictor of the uh, good patency rates is the recipient vessel. Uh, it is uh, the, so if it is very, very thin, then I have to abandon. And as Sarah said, it's probably quarter of the patients in the, uh, less than quarter, I think it would be some 10, 15% of the children and almost no adults where I have to abandon. But the intention, even in the two-year-old child, is to do a, a combined restoration for whatever it's worth because uh, I think it is, it is a good procedure to do. Thanks, Paritosh. So the next question is from Dr. Muttu Kumar, who says, who asks, what was the average time interval between the ischemic episode and the surgery? Does the timing of surgery has any influence either on the outcome or the complications such as cerebral hyperperfusion? Uh, I don't remember at present what was the mean, and, but on an, we are not operating on acute patients. Minimum time, inter minimum, I can tell minimum, we take six to eight weeks. Uh, most, some of the patients, we get calls from pediatrics department. The patient admitted Mohamaya. So we are not doing any acute surgery. Sometimes we have pressure on us, the patient will improve. Yeah, but so at least minimum time interval between an event which has occurred with maybe ischemia or hemorrhage. Hemorrhage is less common mode of ischemia. Is six weeks or eight weeks? I don't remember at present what was the mean or median of all the patients, but that was the minimum. And uh, regarding this hyperperfusion, uh, radiologically we have observed in a few patients, but luckily clinical uh, uh, significant uh, hyperperfusion syndrome we have not come across. This may be in variance of very, some of the studies have shown more incidence of this. We found some radiological evidence of hyperperfusion, but no clinical evidence of any deterioration. And uh, surprisingly, uh, what are the post op radiology shows? regarding patency or most of the patients are happy after the surgery. You, they may not be, they clinically you find they are almost similar, but they are happy after the surgery. What do you do? You do EDMS, you do bypass, you do just raise the muscle over there, don't do anything, they are happy after the surgery. This is my observation. Yeah. Paritosh, your comments? Yes, so uh, I think uh, one of the uh, patient population which is very common for complication is a patient who has had multiple TIAs before surgery and continues to have TIAs. So these patients, especially if they're adults, are very, very prone to complication rate. And this has been shown across the world that if a patient keeps on having TIAs which, and you operate during that period, and there are some people who keep on having TIAs, they are in a very high risk of complication. And it is not because of, uh, you can do anything, you can do, some people have opposite side infarcts, and it is related to anesthesia, hypotension, hypocarbia during the anesthesia. So that is related to a lot of these things rather than uh, the surgery itself. And this is uh, this is because they have extremely low cerebrovascular reserve, and they keep on having TIAs. And these patients are at very high risk of complications. So if you don't operate these patients, you operate after six, eight weeks, twelve weeks. Meanwhile, some of them drop out, just like SAH four grades drop out, you know. So those people, then you will have a very, very good complete, uh, success rate. But if you tend to operate some of these patients who are very hot, as we say in cerebrovascular reserve, then these patients really have a very, very bad thing. Thank you. 
So one more question to Professor Gupta is that if you have a patient who has a severe moya moya where you are not even seeing the collaterals, so what? How would you manage such patients? Not seeing collaterals uh, means which collaterals? You talk about moya moya, is it or the third grade five, grade four or grade five Suzuki, where you know uh, all the vessels. I want to constrain, and even the collaterals are coming down in number. So it's a very, very severe kind of a moya moya. We are doing the same procedure in all patients, no selection. But, but the outcome in outcome in those cases uh, subgroup, sir. Uh, we have not done specific subgroup analysis, so I cannot answer as a grade versus outcome. We have done a combined analysis, not subgroup, so I cannot answer that question. Uh, but sometimes, uh, just coming back to uh, probably asking your question, Paitoj also. Uh, but uh, in the recent years, uh, when I find that the cortical vessels are not good, as Paitoj said, we have started moving more proximally towards the sylvian area. And sometimes, if you do a little more patience and dissect the sulcus, in the depth, sometimes it becomes a little difficult on osmosis. But if you have little patience, I mean, that gives a better uh, uh, potency also. We have started moving more proximally. लिटरेचर नॉट But these patients are aspirin. Some of the patients now we have started stopping the aspirin after they are coming for five years, six years. But most of the patients pre and post op they are on aspirin. Right. And have you done bilateral in any patient, or if you have to do bilateral moya moya, what is the time duration you would prefer to do bilateral? We are we are not doing simultaneously. We are giving gap of minimum three months. Minimum. Right. So there is another question from Dr. Muthu Kumar. We can take it because we still have four minutes. Uh, one recent publication from Michael Scott's group has shown that when these children become adults, when they develop comorbid illnesses like hypertension, they have chances of late bleeds, which could be occasionally be fatal. So the idea is, would any of the authors have a long-term experience of these patients growing up? And developing many serious comorbidities. So that is the bottom line question. So have you seen any moya moya who has become an adult, and how do they do when they after 10 years, after 15 years? We have the first patient we did was from West Bengal, Calcutta. It was done maybe in 2003, and at that time he was around eight uh, nine years old. So he has been coming till he came here few months back also. He is doing well. <laughs> I don't have any more data on this. This is the only thing I can say. Paritosh, Michael Scott has not long term follow up. So, I mean, the maximum follow ups we have is what ten years or something like that. So that is less time for them to have serious uh, side effects, or I for me to have serious uh, amount of uh, follow up of that data. Michael Scott, of course, has uh, data for like thirty, forty years now. I think which is there, but I don't think it would should be. Uh, that much one thing i should say that even if there is a, 
very very good revascularization these this blood flow is not normal so i've had one patient who had uh, shown in many conferences uh, who had bilateral moya moya an excellent revascularization I and mean, he had postoperative ventricular tumor and then we operated on him and he had bilateral strokes because of the hypotension mm-hmm. and uh, so the blood flow is not normal but very very close to normal and these patients are still at high risk of stroke higher risk of stroke than the other population so this we must keep in mind because many of these patients will go ahead and have other surgeries and stuff like that and we should be very very uh, very careful in doing those things so and heparin no i don't use heparin because heparin we use in the patients we flush with heparin so there is a heparinized line but we don't give 1000 or 5000 is heparin during surgery. I also don't give heparin. We use heparin side just to keep the lumen during surgery to flush the lumen. At the, we don't use heparin. So, so thank you very much, sir. Thank you, Paritosh. Thank, thank you so much, sir. Excellent discussion and excellent paper. So, my my suggestion to both the authors will be, uh, since both of you are doing large volumes, especially Professor S K Gupta from such a large institute. perhaps we should now religiously follow these patients do mri perfusion scans do neuropsychological assessment and it will be very interesting to see what are the long term follow ups maybe 10 years down the line 15 years down the line to show us what we have done is a patchwork or is it a really a definitive treatment which have had a substantial substantial uh, change of quality of their lives so thank you very much once again to all of you for uh, joining us in this general club and now i will ask professor dio pujari to take over sir are there any questions in the question box we have completed all of them sir okay